Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call.
Strategically, we remain focused on three core drivers. First is expanding our market-leading position in the domestic Canadian market. Second is our focus on continuing to build our brand in China, which we believe to be our single largest organic growth opportunity. And third is leveraging the power of our brand and platform to capitalize on existing and new opportunities in other international markets. Operational excellence is a core competency at Jameson, and we continue to emphasize strategies and tactics to optimize performance across all aspects of our business, driving both top-line and bottom-line growth. We are operating successfully in unprecedented times and in an environment of unprecedented global supply chain pressures. As evidenced by our Q3 results, our 2021 pricing actions impacting approximately 80% of our portfolio, our drive for internal efficiency, and our cost savings initiatives have allowed us to protect our strong margin position so we can continue to invest in our brands. We remain committed to continuing our historical track record of margin expansion over the long term and continue to monitor the current supply chain environment. Similarly, we have been very forward-leaning in our marketing efforts, broadening awareness, attracting more consumers to our brands, and driving higher level of engagement with existing consumers. We've been investing in consumer education using an omni-channel approach that provides 360-degree connectivity across traditional, digital, and social channels. Coupled with our ongoing initiatives to broaden distribution domestically and internationally, from e-commerce to traditional brick-and-mortar channels, we are meeting consumers where they want to be met. Based on our positive year-to-date results and our favorable demand outlook, we are increasing our revenue guidance and narrowing our adjusted EBITDA expectations to the top end of our previous range, which Chris will speak to in greater detail shortly. Now turning to our Q3 results, we had another successful quarter, increasing revenue by more than 6% to $112 million, and adjusted EBITDA by 11% to over $25 million. We drove growth of 4% domestically, with shipments trailing very strong consumption due to replenishment timing of retailer inventories in the second quarter. International was up 7% in constant currency, reflecting continued growth in China, partially offset by the timing of replenishments to other regions in the first and second quarter of 2021. Strategic partners revenue increased 18% to over $27 million due to expanded programs with new and existing customers. We are extremely proud of our gross margin increase of 30 basis points in the third quarter, led by our Jameson brand segment gross profit margin expansion of 130 basis points and strategic partners expansion of 40 basis points, despite elevated logistics costs and supply chain headwinds. As Jameson closes in on the century mark in delivering high-quality, innovative products to our valued consumers, I'm struck by the hard work, dedication, tremendous energy, and excitement around our entire organization and its positive implications for the future. We know that our best days certainly lie ahead. Our team continues to be united and energized by our vision to improve the world's health and wellness, and their dedication to this vision continues to drive exceptional results. In the face of incredibly challenging conditions throughout the pandemic, our team's proactive approach to safety was a critical factor, enabling us to continue providing the products our consumers need. We remain focused on the health and safety of our team and our community as we continue to drive our brands forward. My sincerest thanks to everyone. It's a privilege to lead this incredible organization, and I'm grateful for your ongoing support. With that, I'm going to turn the call over to Chris to discuss the third quarter financial results in more detail. Chris, over to you. Thank you very much, Mike, and good afternoon, everyone. As Mike highlighted, we had a solid quarter 
as consumers remained focused on their physical and mental well-being. In the third quarter, revenue increased by 6.4% to $112.4 million, driven by continued growth across our Jamison brands and strategic partner segments. Revenue for the Jamison brand segment increased 4.8% on a constant currency basis, or 3.1% on a reported currency basis, to $85.2 million, including 4.3% growth in our domestic revenue, reflecting strong point of purchase activity on an expanded consumer base. Domestic revenue growth outpaced shipments in the quarter due to timing of customer and distributor inventory replenishments in the second quarter. International revenue for Jamison brands increased by 7% on a constant currency basis as continued growth in China was impacted by higher levels of replenishments to other regions earlier in the year. International growth was down 2.6% on a reported currency basis due to the strength of the Canadian dollar. Revenue in our strategic partner segment grew by 18.4% to $27.2 million, reflecting higher demand for our customers' branded products and expanded programs. Pricing and volume efficiencies offset supply chain energy cost pressures, driving gross profit margin improvements in both segments. Jamison brand segment gross profit margin improved by 130 basis points to 44.3% as revenue, growth, and mix factors were partially offset by incremental supply chain, 3PL, and ongoing expenses for incremental health and safety measures. Gross profit margin in the strategic partner segment rose 40 basis points to 11.5%, Consolidated gross profit margin increased 30 basis points to 36.3%, reflecting gains in both segments in proportion to their relative size and growth rates. Selling, general, and administrative expenses were $19.2 million. In the third quarter, up $0.2 million on a reported basis. Normalized SG&A was $19 million, up 4.2%, or $0.8 million, versus a year ago, reflecting additional resources to support our strategic initiatives in the Jamison brand segment, partially offset by the timing of marketing costs. Normalized costs of $0.2 million were mainly related to our rapid testing program established at our manufacturing facilities as a component of our temporary COVID-19 measures. Third quarter operating income increased by 15.7%, to $20.6 million due to higher revenue and gross profit, as well as reduced SG&A as a percentage of revenue in the quarter. Operating margin improved by 140 basis points to 18.3%. Normalized for specified costs in both the current and the prior period third quarter, adjusted operating income increased by 12.2% well-adjusted operating margin improved by 90 basis points to 18.5%. Reported EBITDA increased 16.9% to $24.8 million. Well-adjusted EBITDA increased 11% to $25.5 million during the quarter. Adjusted EBITDA margin increased 100 basis points to 22.7% with gains in both segments and reduced SG&A as a percentage of revenue. 
partially offset by the timing and proportion of strategic partner volumes realized in the quarter. Net earnings of $14.3 million increased by 17.6% from a year ago due to higher revenue and improved margins. Adjusted net earnings, which excludes specified costs and foreign exchange, increased 11% to $14.1 million. Her earnings per diluted share was $0.34, cents and adjusted earnings per diluted share was $0.30 cents for the third quarter of 2021. A reconciliation of adjusted EBITDA and adjusted net earnings is provided at the end of today's press release announcing the third quarter results. Turning to the balance sheet and cash flow, we generated $10.1 million in cash from the quarter from operations compared to $4.6 million in the year earlier period. Cash from operating activities before working capital considerations of $19.2 million was $3 million higher due to increased earnings in the quarter. Cash invested in working capital decreased by $2.5 million, driven by favorable receivables collection, partially offset by higher inventory levels. On a year-to-date investment, on a year-to-date basis, investment in working capital was partial, will partially unwind in the fourth quarter as we sell through seasonally high inventories while maintain, maintaining higher levels of inventory in response to longer lead times, inconsistent shipping performance, and the continued risk of supply during the COVID-19 pandemic. Capital expenditures during the third quarter were $6.6 million, mostly related to the purchase of manufacturing and production equipment to expand our capacity. We distributed approximately $6.1 million in dividends during the third quarter and ended the quarter with almost $110 million in cash and available operating lines and net funded debt of approximately $165 million. Based on our strong balance sheet and earnings growth today, we have announced a dividend of 15 cents per common share for our upcoming quarterly distribution. Now turning to guidance, the company is increasing its outlook for fiscal 2021 and anticipates net revenue between 442 million and 447 million. This compares to 435 to 445 million previously announced, representing top line growth of approximately 9.5 to 10.7%. Adjusted EBITDA is expected to be between 98 and 100 million, narrowed from our previous range of 97 to 100 million, reflecting growth of approximately 11.4 to 13.6%. Adjusted earnings per diluted common share is expected to be between $1.29 and $1.32, compared with $1.27 and $1.32 previously announced. Our updated revenue guidance reflects strong growth in domestic brands as consumers' demand continues to exceed pandemic baseline levels and expanded programs within our new and existing customers. Adjusted EBITDA guidance reflects higher revenues partially offset by increased operating costs as the global supply chain challenges continue to impact freight premiums, logistic, and supply-related operating efficiencies. On a full-year basis, revenue in the Jameson brand segment is expected to increase between 6.2 and 7.4%, including the impact of the strength in Canadian dollar on our international sales. Domestic growth is expected to be in the range of 5.5 to 6.5%, and international growth is expected to be approximately 22.5% on a 
on a constant currency basis. Looking at the fourth quarter, in the Jameson brand segment, we are expecting domestic growth between 3.8 and 7.3%, driven by strong volumes, while international growth is anticipated to be around 10% on a constant currency basis, reflecting strong distributor shipments earlier in the year ahead of seasonal demand. Revenue growth in our strategic partner segment is expected to increase by approximately 22.5% on an annual basis, which implies a reduction of approximately 10% in the fourth quarter. Normalized full-year SGA expenses are expected to increase by approximately 85 to 9.5% versus our previous forecast of up to 12% due to lower travel and entertainment as well as improved domestic marketing efficiencies. Also on a full year basis, we expect our gross profit margin in each of our segments to increase. In the Jamison brand segment, gross profit margins are expected to improve between 50 and 100 basis points due to volume-driven operating efficiencies, partially offset by continuing COVID-19 costs, higher depreciation, and higher logistic costs, including the cost to operate our new 3PL and global supply chain challenges affecting container availability and energy costs. In the strategic partner segment, we expect gross profit margins to increase by approximately 100 basis points, reflecting efficiencies stemming from higher plant utilization related to our soft gel production. In closing, I would like to thank the entire Jamison team for their unwavering commitment to ensuring our customer needs are met continuing to manage the risk and challenges in this COVID-19 environment. Their dedication has been inspiring and a driver of our success to see. With that, let me turn the call back to the operator for Q&A. Justin. Well, thank you. If you would like to signal with questions, please press star 1 on your touchtone telephone. If you're joining us today using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Again, that will be star one if you would like to signal with questions. And our first question will come from Sabahat Khan with RBC Capital Markets. Thanks and good afternoon. Um, I guess just to start off, can you maybe talk about what you're hearing from your retailers in terms of how they're managing inventory sort of heading into late this year and early next year? You know, how have buying patterns evolved over the last year? And you know, how responsive have they been just to some of the headlines around supply chains? Just want to get an understanding of how they're managing their sort of their internal um, supply and so forth. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yeah, thanks, Saba, for the question. Uh, you know, we continue to see, and we mentioned it in, in the script there and in our, in our release, we, we continue to see strength and demand in the category. We saw demand outpace shipments uh, and, and really in line with some of the shipments we shipped in Q2. So continue to see strength there. Uh, from a retailer perspective, we see retailers continuing to build, uh, rebuild inventories from, I would say, historical low levels of the pandemic. Uh, but nothing out of the ordinary that, that we wouldn't have expected at this point. And, and some of the shipping did in Q2 rebuild some of those inventories as expected. All of our retailers continue to operate in the same environment as us, a very complex and challenged supply chain environment. They've all been and been continue to be collaborative in their approach with us, and we continue to work with them daily to make sure that we're communicating, everyone's understanding what is in the pipe, what's being produced, what's available to ship, and uh, where the consumer demands are today. Okay, and then I guess just in terms of how you're managing your own uh, production and so forth, you know, I think at the beginning of the pandemic you indicated that you accelerated some raw material purchases and so forth. I guess, have you reacted given some of the headlines we've recently seen around supply chain and uh, inflation and so forth? Yeah, so we, we haven't really changed our approach since the beginning of the pandemic. If you go back 18, 19 months, we talked early on in the pandemic about how we've been bringing in raw materials earlier than needed due to longer lead times. We continue to carry higher levels of raw material inventory. We've increased capacity in our facilities over the last 18 months substantially to allow us to make more product. And we just really continue to stay ahead of it as much as we can. Uh, as you know, we also put in some pricing into the market in 2021. We currently have put in approximately a pricing across approximately 80% of our portfolio in 2021, and uh, I think you see some of those uh, results in our margin expansion in Q3. And has, was that pricing, I guess, just early on, or have you done any in anticipation of a higher cost going forward as well for 22? Well, we've, over the last, call it eight nine months, we, we've priced about 80% of our portfolio. So we started with our domestic product, our domestic Jameson brand, as we've talked about over the last uh, couple quarters. Uh, we, 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 we priced that early in the year. And if you, if you go back to how we operate our business, our ingredients are pretty much contractually locked for the year. So where a lot of manufacturers are seeing rises on, on commodities and on ingredients, we're not seeing that. We plan for that increase in price to offset that. Over the course of the year, we've implemented some more pricing actions, most notably in our strategic partners business, and we continue to uh, to drive forward with uh, with our plans to expand margins in Q3 and in, in through Q4. Great, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. And our next question will come from JD Kumar with BMO Capital Markets. Hi, this is JD Kumar on behalf of Peter Scar. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, can you maybe just provide us an, with an update on your activities in China and how those are going? Uh, yeah, so we continue to perform uh, as expected in the Chinese market. It certainly is a pillar of growth from an international business perspective. We continue to broaden our product assortment available in the retail channel as well, but I think that entire market is substantially being driven by cross-border e-commerce. Mm -hmm. 
at this point in time. All right. And then maybe just going back on the price increases, and could you maybe just update update us on the impact, if any, from labor shortages in your plants and rising logistics costs? And do you, do you foresee any further price increases in the next in the in the next quarter in the next fiscal year, based on what you're seeing? Yeah. So if you if you if you think about how the business is is the cost structure of the business, it really comes down to three things, and the supply chain pressure we're hearing about in the marketplace uh, globally is really around three things. It's around the rising cost of commodities and ingredients, of which I noted a few minutes ago that we're, con we're contractually priced for, for this year on most of our ingredients. Uh, logistics increases, of which we are feeling some of that, but we have offset that through aggressive uh, efficiencies and cost uh, reductions in our, in our business, and you've seen our expanded margins through Q3 and our plans for Q4. The third one is labor disruption. We have seen very immaterial impact on our business around any labor disruptions or labor costs at this point. When it comes to the future, we will continue to monitor uh, and assess what, uh, what happens from this point on moving forward. And as we've done historically, protect our margins. And if we see the need to implement more pricing at any time, we will do that either strategically and targeted to, to products that may be more impacted or on a broader base. And right now, we'll continue to see where that goes as we work through our contractual pricing uh, for 2022 through this quarter for Q4. Okay, great. Thank you. And our next question will come from George Domain with Scotia Bank. Yeah, hi guys. Thanks for taking my uh, my question. I, I know you typically take prices every two to three years, but you put a pretty sizable price increase earlier in the year. But given, I guess, given what today where inputs and put costs are and supply chains are, will you be most likely taking more price uh, in the medium to longer term? Well, yeah, so thanks, George. I mean, you know, I think I just answered that question. Right now, we have priced to cover what we need to price. We have driven margin expansion in Q3 and Q4 as we continually drive on the offense in terms of our top line and bottom line growth. We will continue to monitor as we do daily the supply chain pressures going on around the world. And if we feel we need to price more through 2022 to offset any rising costs that we could, we could have impact us, we will do that. Right now, um, we're monitoring the situation daily and we'll continue to do that as we get through our Q4 negotiations on ingredient costs and continue to track where logistics costs go longer term. Okay, I guess a follow-up to that, like how much higher are, I guess, current uh, spot prices versus the, the you know, the, the, I guess, the contractual predetermined prices that you've secured for input costs on average? Yeah, George, so we, you know, we're in the middle of our negotiation process. There are some commodities that are higher. There's certainly some offsets. So, you know, that, that story has not been fully vetted at this point in time. So we continue to negotiate that. We are not seeing substantial inflation entering 2022 at this point. But as you know, it's an absolutely dynamic environment, and we continue to monitor. Um, the other thing I'll say about logistics costs is there's a number of those items that are uh, widely expected to be temporary in nature. So we're not going to take a temporary price increase that we bear and put that onto our customers. So we would we would monitor that as well through 2022 and make sure that if that was a permanent increase, we would pass it along like Mike previously said. Okay, thanks. And maybe just for Mike, last one for me. Um, what's your view overall on, on the cold and flu uh, season this year? 
uh, versus last year. Um, I know last year was obviously a bit of a drag, but just just your view there in terms of some of those immunity products maybe coming back. Yeah, so so I would say, George, we did not see a drag on cold and flu in our in our major markets last year, and we don't expect to see any this year. Something that has been very positive to see actually is since we've cycled out of that early Q1, Q2 uh, pandemic buying period of a uh, panic buying period of 2020 and then cycling against it in 2021, we've actually seen very strong resiliency in immunity and growth back in immunity over the last quarter from a POS perspective led by vitamin D, but really showing resiliency across across many of the immunity products. So we don't anticipate uh, any real difference versus a year ago where we really didn't see an impact in cold and flu here uh, in our major markets. All right, thanks. And, and our Thank next you. question. And our next question comes from Injury Leno, Leno with National Bank. Hey, uh, good evening. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, a, a couple of uh, a, a quick ones for me. I'll, I'll start with China. I mean, you, you mentioned uh, both uh, both you guys that you are not seeing any major uh, cost inflations as you negotiate now. But I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about availability of raw materials uh, for next year, and, and more specifically, as some of these products are produced uh, largely in China and they've had their power shortages. Have you, have you seen any shortages in raw materials so far? Yeah, thanks, Injury. So we have not seen any material shortages in raw materials coming into our into our manufacturing facilities. We have seen longer lead times. So in our system, in our, in our processes, we now plan for longer lead times. Our orders for what we need need to go in earlier. We hold uh, you know higher levels of raw material inventory at this time, and we just have to get and continue to be really good at forecasting where the demand is going and make sure that we work within the new world of these new longer lead times. So we haven't seen a shortage. We've just seen it taking longer to get here. And, of course, some, some costs in getting here, too, which we noted in some increased logistics costs that we're seeing and manufacturers around the world are seeing. Uh, great. No, th thanks, Mike. Uh, the other question that I wanted to uh, ask, and uh, as you said, you're, you're maintaining more uh, more inventory more specifically about China and the, the Double Eleven uh, Festival or, or the sales that they have. I mean, do, do you expect any potential sh uh, shortages or, or not getting your, your products in, in time there, given the supply chain issues, or do you have enough inventory in China to meet that demand that might come? Yeah, all of the product that we are promoting in market for Eleven Eleven Singles Day is already in market. Um, we're very excited about the breadth and depth of our uh, consumer awareness and, and promotion. So we're very excited to see those results in the next couple of weeks. Okay, uh, great, thank you. And uh, one uh, last question for me. Uh, you talked in your prepared remark, uh, Mike, about expanding market position in Canada, one, the, uh, expanding the brand in China, but also opportunities in other international markets. Uh, and as we focus uh, mostly in Canada and then China here, I was wondering if you can talk a bit about the international market uh, any color you can provide there, any new countries, uh, de demand, and, and uh, any color there. Thanks. Yeah, we continue to see uh, demand uh, be resilient across most of the markets that we play in and continue to look for international expansion plans. We continue to look for uh, and see expansion in Eastern Europe, also through North America, as we've talked about before. We continue to stay active in our uh, pursuit of a possible M&A target in, uh, in the U.S. We would love to expand in the U.S. through some level of acquisition over the next, call it, you know, 12 to 24 months. 
Uh, so we continue to, to pursue that. We are looking at some new countries to enter in 2022, and uh, hopefully early in 2022 we can share some of those uh, markets with you. Great, thank you. And as a reminder, if you would like to signal with questions, please press star 1. Again, that is star 1 if you would like to ask questions. And our next question will come from Grainy Kreindler with 8 Capital. Yeah, hi, good afternoon, and thank you for taking uh, my questions here. Um, just as a follow-up to the discussion on international markets here, Understanding that 2022 is going to be a very pivotal year for how yeah, the business is going to position itself in China and the go forward. Can you give any incremental color about um, you know what that's going to do in terms of potential step change functions uh, on acceleration of top line and margin expansion as you look to take uh, further control of that business there? Thank you. So we're right now, obviously, that, that contract comes to an end at the end of fiscal 2022. Um, we are assessing all of our options to get closer to the consumer there um, and, and really take over that distribution business uh, on a more direct basis. Um, we really can't announce anything in terms of um, what impact that will have until we work through the structure of what that is going to look like, whether that is with another distributor, whether that is Jameson as a standalone or there's some other type of partnership model in going to market in China. Um, what I will tell you is that all of that work has been underway for some time. It, it continues to be pro, continues to progress. Um, and, you know, we hope early 2022 to have some, uh, some more concrete information for the market to reassure that uh, our priority is that market and then we have a model to drive success in the future in the Chinese market. Okay, understood. Thanks for that. And just as a follow-up here, I mean, if we were to think about it from, from a very high level, um, is there any sort of broad expectation for, you know, what sort of time horizon uh, the international revenue piece and definitely with a lot of heavy lifting coming out of the Chinese market could, could potentially, you know, reach a level where it's uh, equal in size to the domestic uh, sales right now? <laughs> Um, what we, what I can't tell you that right now, but what I can tell you is we do look to reestablish some additional longer-term guidance when we announce our um, year-end results in February, um, and in that point in time, we'll be able to give you an indication of what our new expectation is for international growth um, at that point in time for, for years in the future. Okay, understood. Thank you very much for that. Thanks, Graham. And our next question will come from Justin Keywood with Stiefel GMP. Hi, thanks for taking my call. On the expanded distribution uh, domestically, I noticed in the conference call slide presentation that the dollar store category and, and gas and convenience stores were uh, new. I'm just wondering if you could characterize the level of penetration into these channels. Uh, if it was a, a certain amount of stores initially, or if it was, uh, you know, more broadly deployed on the onset. Yeah, thanks, Justin. So we we launched into those uh, those different channels over the last couple of years. So I think the dollar channel was a couple of years ago, and we're cycling up uh, about on a year on the convenience and gas channel. 
Uh, we did enter the country's largest dollar channel uh, retailer, which, which really holds a commanding share of the dollar channel here in Canada. We launched there about two years ago. We launched in their full array of stores across the country. And if you go into their stores, you'll see a full dedicated section of Jameson Vitamins. And really, we're, we're, we're almost the only product in there. There's a few maybe odds and ends of other, other brands in there, but we really have the lion's share of shelf in there. Uh, it continues to do well for us. We, we, we have been through a full, I think, two years pretty close to and have had a full shelf reset with them in between and continue to bring uh, some new energy to that section. We also managed with them to get some out-of-that-set uh, merchandising with some on-the-go products uh, that you see in different areas of their store, which is exciting for us. Uh, we, led, we launched into Convenience and Gas a year ago. We launched into thousands of stores. There's tens of thousands of stores in the country. We continue to expand that distribution and uh, continue to be bullish on our continued expansion into multiple channels across the country. Okay, that's helpful context. And then uh, just my other question, if there's any new product uh, launches to highlight in the quarter or uh, any other um, categories that you're seeing particular strength uh, hitting into the next year? Yeah, so we, we typically launch our products uh, through Q1, uh, or like kind of Q1, Q2, and a little bit in Q3. So all of our innovations for the year are now in market. We've seen some really strong uh, products hit the market this year. For example, our, our apple cider vinegar gummies have been doing well. We launched a new line of products around energy and calmness in the Iron Vegan line of products, which is our plant-based brand. Uh, we, we continue to see strength in our vitamin D innovation. We launched earlier in the year with a higher potency of 2,500 IUs a year. We had a very robust year of innovation, and we are delivering exactly what we expected from innovation. Uh, as we enter into next year, you'll continue to see more innovation from us around categories that are trending. You'll continue to see more around plant-based. We continue to see strength in the categories I've said and resiliency around immunity. We continue to see strength around sleep, beauty, uh, energy and digestion, and and really no different than we've been talking about the last quarter. Those the last few quarters, those those categories have really continued to grow, and will continue to uh, drive products to them. Okay, good to hear. Thank you for taking my questions. Thank you. Thanks, Justin. And our next question will come from John Dampero with CIBC. Hey, thanks. Good evening. Um, I wanted to ask about uh, e-commerce, and I wonder if you can give us some sense of growth in this channel or, or what percent of sales this generates versus a couple of years ago, and, and particularly in the direct-to-consumer business and the subscription business. Any any additional color you can provide there would be helpful. Yeah, so e-com continues to be a growing channel and the highest growing channel within our business. And you can kind of talk about it in two, two – it, it's kind of easier to talk about it in two um, geographies. First off, in Canada. So in our domestic market, it continues to grow. It continues to show through strength across all three, all three channels of what we call digital commerce. Uh, traditional marketplace uh, sites like Amazons of the world, Well.ca's of the world continue to grow. We can continue to drive growth with our brick-and-mortar partners who are uh, moving into the online space in this category, and we're continuing to help them. Uh, both drive growth, but also bring some tools to them that, that we know work in the marketplace and convert consumers to purchase. And of course, we continue to see growth in our DTC channels here in Canada. I would say that, you know, we've been saying this for the last couple quarters, that that business as a whole continues to become more and more material across all three. And combined, it's getting very close to being double digits uh, percentage of our business. And we, we continue to invest and it will continue to drive growth. 
when we talk about a market like China, it is so digitally advanced compared to Canada that a, a high percentage of our business is actually traded on e-commerce uh, channels there, most notably cross-border e-commerce. We continue to invest in growth on those, on those e-commerce platforms. We continue to look for new e-commerce platforms to expand to in China. And we continue to invest in both capabilities, marketing, and promotions across those channels. So we are all in on digital. The category is moving more and more there, and we will continue to, uh, to increase our capabilities and take advantage of that. Oh, sorry. Thanks. You had a subscription question too. Um, subscription. We continue to offer to consumers. We've talked about this a few times. It continues to be a piece of our business. It is not the highest growing piece of the business, so it's there for consumers who are interested in. Um, the Canadian consumer, where we offer that, has shown that they are not. You know, they're not as interested in jumping into subscriptions right now. However, we continue to operate and continue to have that in our portfolio because we believe it will be a bigger piece of the business in the future as consumers get uh, more comfortable with subscription-based products. Okay, that's, uh, that's helpful. Thank you for that. And then one follow-up. Um, there's a comment in the press release about improved efficiencies of domestic marketing investments. I'm wondering if you could add more color here. Yeah, you know, we, we have a fully robust marketing plan here in Canada. We are fully funded, 365-day, uh, 360-degree uh, marketing plan here in Canada. And as we continue to get better and more robust data, uh, either POS or through retailer data or just through our own research from our credible insight team, we're just able to drive higher ROIs on our investments more growth for, for our investment as we go. And we wanted to note that in there and, and really call out the great work that our marketing team is doing to drive great results as we, as we invest both in traditional marketing avenues and also digital marketing avenues. Okay, great. That's all for me. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you. And our next question will come from Derek Lassard with TD Securities. Yeah, good uh good evening, Mike and, and Chris. I just I, I did have one question. Um it looks like you took down your planned international marketing marketing spend in, in China by by about a million dollars. Just curious as to, you know, some of the thinking behind that. Um so there is we still are investing significantly in China, but what we decided to do is really focus that on or trade growth activity, particularly around the big, um, ac the big trading days uh, from an online perspective, particularly around 11.11 and 6.18 in China. And it was really, it's still investment on our part, but it just gets reported on a different line. Okay, all right, that's clear. And um, maybe again on, on the margin side, when you expect some of the, like the safety and, and business costs uh, to, to fall off uh, more materially? Uh, that really remains to be seen. Um, it depends on how quickly our staff get vaccinated from a operational perspective. Um, we continue to test those employees that are not double vaccinated, um, and we will have a level of inefficiency. The vast majority of those protocols have now subsided, so you will see, you know, you won't see the level of ad backs that you had in the past going forward for COVID costs as. Um, the efficiency impact of, of the COVID measures are already in cost of sales and in our P&L. 
um, but it was just those extra costs as it related to third-party costs and COVID, whether it be the third party that did the external, that did rapid testing, um, or the incremental premiums from a wage perspective. That's, those were the key costs that we were adding back prior in the year. Okay, that's it for me. Thanks for thanks for taking my questions. Thanks, Dirk. Thanks, Dirk. Thank you. That does conclude the question and answer session. I'll now turn the conference back over to Mr. Pilato for any additional and closing remarks. Great. Thank you all for joining our call tonight. Uh, we continue to be encouraged by the permanency of the new consumer baseline and the continued growth of the category globally. We are and continue to be committed to our, our, our profitable growth trajectory as we drive this category to new heights globally, and we are committed to continuing to drive that. We want to thank you all. Have a great evening and talk to you all soon. Thank you. And that does conclude today's conference. We do thank you for your participation. Have an excellent day. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.